0: Well, my sermon title today, admittedly, is a bit of a unique one, How to Get Rich Quick. Have you ever wanted to get rich quick? I'd be lying if I didn't say that I've considered it. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to be able to have a whole bunch of money and and get it without having to do a whole lot of work? Sounds pretty awesome. In fact... Last week we talked about things that seem too good to be true, and there are a lot of get-rich-quick schemes that really are too good to be true. Maybe you've had a friend approach you. They're a part of this organization that sells things, and if you join underneath them, then a portion of what you sell will go to them and up the chain, But, but you can recruit people to sell stuff below you, and pretty soon you'll be raking in all this money. Have you had people ask you about things like that? I know that I have. Uh, and then there are other people, they try and get rich quick by, by betting, uh, by gambling. Uh, there's that allure of, of just guessing right and then raking in a bunch of money. In fact, one time I was I was listening to sports radio and there was this advertisement for... Uh, We're going to give you three picks for the weekend, and we're going to give you all this information so you will know who's going to win." And I didn't want to gamble because I think I can use my money a lot better, but I was interested in their information, so I called the line. And then, lo and behold, I start getting all of this junk texts and spam calls from them trying to get me roped in to their, their gambling system to get rich quick. Uh, in fact, just last week, I hit stop again on my text messages because I don't want to get that stuff. I'm not interested in betting. I just wanted to hear what they, who they thought was going to win that weekend, what their take was on the big game. But there are all these schemes. I remember times where I just thought to myself, man, if, if, I, could just, if I could just dig and find gold in the backyard Or, you know, that would really help the church if we had oil beneath the the back acre here. Wouldn't that be awesome? We could get rich quick. And that's what our society longs for. Getting rich quick. But we have to be careful what the love of money and the desire of money May do in our hearts. I want to share a few verses. Even though our sermon title is How to Get Rich Quick, I want to talk a little bit about some of the dangers of riches just for a moment here. In the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, and verse 9, and if we can get this to advance, I'm not seeing it here on the screen. There we go, it says, but those who desire to be rich fall into what? Into temptation, into a snare, many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. This desire to to get that money quickly can be a snare, can lead our hearts away from the path that God has for us. Or what about there in Revelation 3? Revelation 3, those end time people, they say, I am rich and I've prospered. I have need of nothing. But as God evaluates the character and the lives of the hearts, he, he says that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. It's not that money is a bad thing, money is neutral. But if we're not careful, it leads us to forget our need for God, our spiritual poverty is shown. Or oh, what about this council in, in 1 Timothy 6? It says, For as the rich of this present age, I charge them not to be haughty, not to be boastful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. That's the thing about wealth. You can have it one day and it can be gone the next if you're not careful, especially the volatility of our stock market these days. People who thought they were doing really well in their retirement, all of a sudden, ooh, things aren't doing so well. There's uncertainty in riches, so we're not supposed to put our our trust and our hope in riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And now the admonition, because it's not bad to be rich. It's not bad at all. But those who are blessed with wealth, the Bible says they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And so we find that the Bible's counsel on on money is not avoided at all costs. It's, if you have it, use it for good. Don't let it be a snare to you, but use it to help other people. We're blessed in this church to have people who are of means that are so helpful and generous. We have a giving church, and that's such an amazing blessing to have. After all, it's not what you possess, but what possesses you that really matters. It's not what you possess, but what possesses you. So why would I entitle the sermon, Get Rich Quick, how to get rich quick? Because I wanna talk to you today about true riches as defined by the Bible. There's the monetary riches, the wealth of the world, which is fine as long as you don't let it control you and you use it for good. But there is something far more valuable that God has for us. I want to take you through a couple of verses here. The Apostle Paul, um, in many places, but here in the book of James, we find an inspiring verse. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be what? Rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love them? So we're getting this counterfactual, this this, this thing that goes against the obvious and apparent facts. God has chosen the people that are poor in the world to be rich in something else, to be rich in faith," James 2:5 says. And then I love this verse from the Apostle Paul. He's describing here in Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. He's talking about all the difficult things that he has to go through in life. And he says, "As sorrowful? They had a lot of sorrows, a lot of suffering in their missionary experiences. But he says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. Paul was trying to help people get rich and get rich quickly. But it wasn't in earthly riches. He said, having nothing, yet possessing what? All, possessing everything. So let me ask you this, how could a guy who was a tent maker, who who was stoned to death, they thought he was dead, they left him for dead, who was beaten with a rod, who was shipwrecked, ultimately who gave his life as a martyr for Jesus, imprisoned multiple times, how could he say, I have everything, I have all? What was the secret that the Apostle Paul knew about what God wants to offer us? If we study his writings, if we search even just the term riches in the New Testament, we see that the Apostle Paul talks about this subject of true riches in Christ more than any other biblical author. I want to share a couple of verses with you here. Romans, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, and maybe if I could get the, there we go. Paul says, oh, the depth and of the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. Paul says that the knowledge of God is a uh, a bank of wisdom, rich wisdom. Paul was seeking to know what God was about, what his plans for this world were, the the beauties and the glories of the gospel. And then there in in Colossians 1.27, it says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his what? Of his glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul identifies Christ living in our hearts as a glorious mystery that is rich and abundant And valuable beyond all cost. Well, what about this one, Romans 2 4. He said, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness? God is rich in kindness and patience, forbearance, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance so the Apostle Paul realized that we have a God that is patient, that is kind, that the knowledge of him is filled with this infinite richness and that the goodness of God is meant to lead us to change our lives. You may not feel worthy of God's love. You may not feel like you've earned it and that's because you haven't and you can't. But, But the kindness and the goodness of God is not to make us to feel bad about ourselves it's to make us to give our hearts to him and say, thank you so much. I want you to change my life. And if there's one place where the Apostle Paul talked about the richness that God wants to offer to us, Paul's get rich quick through spiritual riches, the book that he, he laid it out the most beautifully and extensively is in the book of Ephesians. So I want to invite you to turn there. Ephesians And we're going to start in chapter 1. We'll take the words and the verses off the screen because we'll just be in our Bibles for the rest of our study this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 3. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. You can be there in your Bible physically, you can be there, turn there on your smartphone, on your computer but I want you to see these verses for yourself. How rich and how good the gospel is in Christ. Last week we spent a little bit of time going through some of these verses and we're going to reread some of them and we're going to go beyond it. The riches of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with what? I'm reading here from the New King James Version this morning, and in my Bible it says, every spiritual blessing. That's a lot. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Not just God gave us a few blessings, but it says, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So we've been given every spiritual blessing. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. Do you know what it's like to be chosen? Or maybe not to be chosen? I always remember those lineups in grade school, on the playground, going to go play some kickball, some baseball, some football, basketball. Line up. We're going to have first captain and second captain. We line up there and we wait to be chosen. Do you know what it's like to be chosen last? Not to be viewed as the athletic one, the desirable one? The Bible says God chose us. Not just now, God chose us before the foundation of the world. Isn't that amazing? But it continues, that we should be holy Without blame before him in love, having predestined us, he made a plan based on his foreknowledge to be adopted as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise and the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So we're seeing some, some rich theology here, some rich language about God's blessings for us. Verse 3, he's given us everything, every spiritual blessing. Verse 4, he chose us before the world was made. Verse 5, we were predestined to be adopted, welcomed into his family even before we were born. Verse 6, he made us accepted. If you've ever felt rejected, you know just how special and important it means to feel accepted. And that's what God has done for us. And then we get to verse 7. It says, In Him we have redemption. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. God has some riches for us His riches of redemption, His riches of forgiveness. Do you need God's forgiveness? Do you need His redemption in your life? Do you want His acceptance? You want to be chosen by him? Well, you've already been chosen. You don't get to choose whether you're chosen or not. But you can choose how you respond to that calling. Verse 8, Which he made to the outward, to, to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. God has done these things for wisdom and for God's prudence in our lives. Verse 11, In him we were also obtained an inheritance. That's another way sometimes people get rich quick. They have a rich relative that dies and leaves all the money to them. And there are some nasty people in our world who who are scheming and plotting and trying to put themselves in position to get that rich inheritance. But that's not how God works. He says, I'm going to give an inheritance to all of you. It's going to be equally good for each and every one of you. God's infinitely wealthy. And he wants to pour out the wealth of his blessings. Now, predominantly, in this life, it's not physical money because he knows if he gave that to all of us, we probably would forget about him. So he gives us what we need. The richness of his forgiveness and redemption and choosing and calling and every spiritual blessing. Verse 13 In him you also trusted after you heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He pours out the richness of the Holy Spirit to seal us as a guarantee until the day when he saves us. Look now at verse 18. Just skipping across the highlights here. We're not taking time to delve deep into each verse today. Just want you to get a sense for how rich the good news of Jesus is. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what the hope of his calling is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He talks there in these verses about the richness of the inheritance that God has given us, this inheritance of salvation. And then he talks about the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power that God wants to work in our life, the richness of God's resurrection power. Chapter 2 now. Moving along, just hitting the highlights. Chapter 2, verse 1. And you, Paul speaking to us, the reader, he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Maybe you felt like you're just dead in your sins. God wants to make you alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. Alive through the, the cleansing, forgiving blood of Jesus and the empowering infilling of the Holy Spirit, to help you start to choose better. Remembering that the kindness of God leads us to change our ways, leads us to want to make better choices. Verse 4, Ephesians 2, 4. But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love which we has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. God is rich in mercy. He doesn't run out of mercy. Maybe you felt like God's run out of mercy for you because you've keep, you keep making the same mistake over and over and over and over again. Well, God's bank of mercy is unlimited. God's checks of mercy never bounce. They always are cashed. They always... Are able to give us what we need. Verse 6 raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul is now identifying. He's saying we we identify with Christ in his experiences in his life. The death that Christ died is the one that we should have died. And when Christ was raised up, we were raised up along with him. Verse 7 that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kindness toward Christ Jesus, toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. According to the richness of God he saved us. Not through our own works, but through his own grace, he saved us. By the way, what is grace? What is grace? I remember when I was growing up and I was learning to drive, I made a really bad mistake and I hit a parked car. Oof. Justice meant that I needed to fix that, right? That's justice. Or, or let's say that uh, I'm leaving the church today and I back into Clary's car. Back into Clary's car, I smash it. Justice is when I have to pay to fix Clary's car, right? That would, that would be fair, right? Now, mercy would be if Clary said, you know what, my car, it had some, some scuffs and, and some dents already, which it, it doesn't. <laughs> but don't worry about it. It already had a couple of dings. It's okay. That's mercy. But you know what grace would be? Grace would be if Clary said to me, John, I noticed when you backed into my car that not only you dented my car, but your car got smashed as well. And and I don't want you to be troubled. I'm just going to pay for your car and my car to be fixed. Like, who would ever do that? Is that fair? Not at all. If I broke it, I need to fix it. But, but grace goes beyond mercy. Grace says, the damage that you did, I'm going to pay for, for you and for me. So when Jesus died on the cross, we deserve to be on that cross with him. Well, not with him, in his place. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. I got this. I'm going to pay the debt so that you don't have to. That's grace. That's the richness of God's grace. And that's the reason the apostle Paul just keeps going on in his gratitude to what God has done for us. It's a, it's a debt we could never pay. And God says, your debts have been paid. I paid them with the precious blood of Jesus. I wanna look at a couple more verses Briefly here, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, look there at verse 8. Apostle Paul there was so overwhelmed by how rich and how good and how amazing uh, the gospel was that he was compelled to preach it. Look at this. Ephesians 3.8, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said, I'm not worthy to, to, to spread this good news, but it was put upon me to tell him about the unsearchable riches. That doesn't mean that it can't be found. That just means that it's so deep that you can never plumb the depths of how good and rich and great God is towards us. And he gets to verse 14. He's overwhelmed by how good the gospel is. Ephesians 3:14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He just is humbled, he gets on his knees verse 15 from whom the whole family in heaven and the earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man god in his richness wants to strengthen us that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. The Apostle Paul just goes on a run here because he's thinking about how wide and how deep and how high How amazing the rich love of God is for us. He said it is exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask, think, or imagine. So how do you get rich quick? You accept what Jesus has done for you and is offering you. And when you do that, you've become richer than anyone on this planet. We are so richly blessed because of what Jesus has done, because of what He is doing and because of what He will do. So having taken this, this brief survey from the book of Ephesians, we see and can start to understand a little bit better why the Apostle Paul, back in that verse in 2 Corinthians 6:10, could say that he's always rejoicing. He's poor, but making many people rich having nothing, yet possessing everything. Are you grateful for our good God? Are you grateful for what he's done for us? There's no way we could ever earn this. There's nothing in our world that could satisfy and compare to the richness that we have in Jesus. This morning, friends, I just have a question. Do you want to get rich quick? Daily, I want to accept the riches of Jesus. I may never have a lot of money here on this earth, and that's okay. Probably wouldn't be a good thing for me. But whether I'm poor or whether I'm rich, all of us can be overwhelmingly rich in Jesus and what he has given us. What has he given us? Every spiritual blessing. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He planned to adopt us into his everlasting family. He's made us accepted. He's given us redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, the richness of his grace. He's given us all his inheritance, the Holy Spirit working in our lives. He's given us resurrection power through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's made us alive even though we were dead in our sins, rich in mercy. He saved us by his grace, raised us up to have us sit in heavenly places. And he's given us the unsearchable riches of Christ and exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. All I can say in response today is, thank you, Jesus. I am so ever grateful. And I have a feeling when we get to heaven someday, we'll realize that our comprehension of just how amazing this gift is We'll look back on our time on earth and say, man, we didn't even begin to understand how good our God is. Like me, if you're thankful, I just invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray and we thank God for what he has given us and remind ourselves and remind God that we are accepting this great gift today. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for your goodness and your rich grace and gifts to us. Lord, sometimes we go through difficulties. Right now, a lot of us are are experiencing hardships. But Lord, remind us again today just how much you love us. Remind us again today that you've saved us and you have better things ahead. And Lord, like the Apostle Paul, I pray that you will give us opportunities to help others to become rich through you, through the knowledge of you and the acceptance of you. This is our prayer, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let everybody from their homes say, Amen and Amen. Have a happy Sabbath and God bless.